The home of the White Sox is also the home of Cap and Jay Hood. Mornings 7 to 10. This is WMVP Chicago, ESPN 1000. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitch at ESPN 1000 Chicago. Waddle and Sylvie are back on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. All right, we're taking your phone calls, 312-332-3776. You can listen. Even those calls that suggest that Patrick Mahomes is not as good as our current quarterback. We we'll take still all take calls. those calls. We take all the calls, yeah. yes. Someone did call. That's that's Jeff, right? Jeff, Jeff Morris. Morris. I met Jeff. Was Jeff the one that, that guaranteed us that the Bears were going to win out? That wasn't Jeff, was I believe it? you. You are correct, yes. Okay. I, he came up to me uh, right after I was done with the pregame show before the Atlanta game. I go, Sylvia, I'm Jeff and Morris. Really nice guy. Yeah, he seems he's, to be a very nice he, guy. Look, he's just got so he's got he's got Bears thoughts, and we're more than willing to take his call. Yes, of course. Can always listen on ESPN one thousand one hundred point three HD two. Can download that ESPN Chicago app and wherever you travel can listen to all of our shows, so you can stream us, you can get all the podcasts there, and uh, our, if you've not checked out our YouTube channel, you got to uh, check that out as well. It's a YouTube uh, at Live, and it's ESPN Chicago. You can also watch us on Twitch as well. It's twitch.tv slash ESPN 1000 Chicago. So let's uh, talk to Courtney Cronin. As, uh, she did a great job, as always, all season long. She was inside the Bears' locker room today as they cleaned out their lockers. And I would probably bet it won't be her only time at Hallis Hall this week. Mm. She joins us on the Car X Tire and Auto Hotline. What's up, Courtney? Hi, guys. How are you? What is your bet? When will you be back at Hallis Hall this week? When I left there this afternoon, I said to everyone in the room, see you Wednesday. I think that's, I don't know, it just feels like the sweet spot. Maybe I'm trying to speak it into existence, but if you're, like, looking at the timeline. So today was exit interviews with players going in for one-on-one sessions with Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus. That got, went, honestly, it should be ending just about right now. This were, you know, they had to do the entire roster. And then tonight, or like after the conclusion of that, is when Ryan Poles and Kevin Warren are going to meet with the coaches for their own season-ending sort of look. And then I think we're going to start to get it, you know, the the decisions that are going to be made on this coaching staff within the next 24 hours. I, by Wednesday, we should know one way or the other. Like, you can't drag this out that long. And even though this is a little bit longer than – you know, most people probably would like to, you know, they expect Black Monday to have it be like pretty, you know, cut and dry. I mean, it was a bloodbath today across the rest of the NFL. By the time most people wake up, the Panthers made another declaration with their staff, the with the GM, um, the commanders fired everybody. And then, of course, we're all waiting to see what happens with Bill Belichick. But I, I just think that with the Chicago Bears, there's still – this wasn't a cut-and-dry decision, so don't expect a cut-and-dry timeline. Yeah, well, and that's why I think it's going to drag out a little bit. Uh, Courtney, this is what I asked Waddle and I asked Carmen and Yurko. What do, what do you believe they're deciding right now? I think it starts with the – I think the offensive coordinator. I mean, to me, the way that I could see this going is that Luke Getzey 
will not be back. And then that ultimately will probably foreshadow what they're doing at the quarterback spot. But, you know, this is Matt Eberflus's chance right now in these meetings. After, I mean, first off, they're pro- they probably weren't talking with Ryan Poles and Kevin Warren. Ryan Poles was in those meetings with Matt Eberflus all day with the players. They had to get that done. And every team handles this stuff differently in terms of exit interviews. I've heard about coaches getting fired in the middle of those before. So anything is on the table. But, you know, they're probably now just beginning the deliberations of face-to-face contact with the whole coaching staff and going through in one-on-one settings with the general manager and the team president and CEO. And then ultimately, Matt Eberflus is going to have his chance to state his case about why he should be back, about the growth that this team made the strides they made under him since the halfway point of the season, but also pointing to what he told us he was going to do all off season long. Remember a couple weeks ago when he was talking about evaluating Luke Getze in the offense? I mean, if that still has to be done, whether he's going to be the head coach here or not. And that to me is what will be the first domino to fall the decision there. But then those conversations that Ryan Poles will have with Matt Eberflus, with Kevin Warren, um, will ultimately get us to find out is the stat is you know a big portion of the staff staying is it the offensive staff changing is the whole thing changing is Eberflus coming back and I know that people want quick answers but we have to remember the human element here Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus have been with each other in the trenches on this thing every single day for you know 700 plus days since they were hired this is not an easy decision by any stretch if they do ultimately decide to move on. Um, and, and that part, the toiling part of that, has to be considered as to why the timeline is what it is. Courtney, did the Packers slap in the face last night change anything from your perspective? And, and when I say that, I mean all of it, meaning the mm-hmm. play of Jordan Love and throwing to Jaden Reed and Bo Melton and Dontavian Wicks and Tucker Craft and a crew of wide receivers and tight ends that really don't, show up in a lot of places. What do you make of how things unfolded and how that will affect any decisions? I'll start with the quarterback because, of course, like they're not going to just look at one game and have the pendulum swing one way or the other. That's a pretty violent way to go about it. And, and you don't evaluate things in a vacuum. That's the sign of a poor, you know, a franchise that's not heading in the right direction is if you make decisions off of one game, off of one moment instead of the collective body of work. But when it comes to Justin Fields, I think a game like that, and Luke Getzey too, that solidifies more of what you've seen than the bright moments and the moments that have given this team, this franchise, hope towards the future. I think it kind of, you know, confirmed a lot of things for people in this um, in this organization. I mean, the front office was sitting right behind me. At one point, you know, the assistant general manager has his head in his hands and, you know, obviously could have been for a lot of different reasons, but the uh, Justin Fields had a really, really tough game yesterday. He was sacked five times. He was under pressure for 50% of his dropbacks. Is that a sign of, man, they're finally seeing what we've been seeing and saying between us all along? Or is that, man, we really thought Justin Fields Give him one more game. This is going to be a great way to go into the off season, but momentum's now going the other way, or it feels that way. Like they left there exasperated, and I know that they didn't want that feeling. So, I mean, when it comes to what happened in Green Bay, I don't know that you know these are really, really tough franchise-altering decisions that are on the table. And when 
you talk about the pairing and you talk about the thing that this franchise has not done in a very long time, which is syncing up the head coach, the offensive coordinator, and the quarterback on the same schedule. I think that's, I think honestly that points where they're headed here based on the way that this season wrapped up. Now, Eberflus may or may not be independent of that, but I think you got confirmation that this offense as is is not working. And I know that you can look across the sideline and see Jordan Love throwing to some guy named Bo Melton. But, <laughs> and, you know, and same with Dontavian Wicks. I'm not so sure I knew who that was before yesterday, but like it points to, it, you know, we, we had this with Houston all season long. How come certain quarterbacks and certain offenses can have no name receivers yet still get career production out of it? How come DJ Moore can have a career season, but Justin Fields can't? Like all of those things are what they're considering right now. And, it's it's ultimately not a great way for them to end the season, knowing that they saw more of that throughout the last three years than the type of play we saw from Justin Fields against Atlanta two weeks ago. Do you believe that Fields' future is tied to what they think of the draft class, or will they make a decision on Fields' future based on what they think of Justin? I think it's going to be made based on – Justin, but also the offensive coordinator. We've talked about this, guys. Can you imagine him in a third offensive system in four years? Because I can't. I I think that that's ultimately what will guide their direction. And then, of course, you have to be in love with a quarterback at the top of the draft board to to move on from Justin Fields. But it also it's it's the most lucrative draft capital. Like, you never want to be in this spot. So when you have franchise-altering draft capital, if you're worth your salt as a decision-maker, you're not going to move off of that unless you are fully convicted, okay, this is the right path, because it could set your franchise back a decade if you go the wrong way. So I, I think it's the prospects that they have been evaluating now for two years with this 2024 draft class, but also how they want to pair the offense with the coordinator and the quarterback. If Luke gets, he's gone. My money's on Justin Fields being gone too. But like, I, I see it this way, Courtney, and, and maybe you see it differently. I just think Fields and Getsy are broken that I would think that there's a better chance of Fields working with a different offensive coordinator, even though that that's not ideal than Fields and Getsy being back together for another run. I don't disagree, Sylvie, but I, I just I cannot see him. Uh, who first up? Who are you going to get? Like, let's think yeah. about that from the outside. Who's going to come in here and hitch their wagon to Justin Fields if they kept him in that scenario? Twenty twenty four is a is a must win year for Eberflus for Fields. Which offensive coordinator is going to come in here? Like, what hot name? Somebody you think is going to turn your offense around? Other than a first year coordinator, somebody maybe going up from a quarterbacks coach to OC position, like. I mean, I'll give you two I, I, names, and I don't know how they'd be received. One would be Frank Reich, but that offense, and I don't know what Frank wants to do, but that offense that Frank runs isn't going to be tailored or what he's used to doesn't fit the so-called put Justin in a position to take advantage mm-hmm. what if he what he does well. And the other would be Greg Roman, who I have no idea where he's at and what he's doing right, right now. He's all- two, thi- two things on that. I have heard that Frank Reich is considering retirement. I've heard so the same. I, I would not yeah. be surprised. He could sit on $70 million more or less, mm. from, like, the payout that he's had from Carolina. I would go to a beach and never return. But, that's <laughs> um, 
But outside of that, I mean, yeah, Frank Reich's a great name. Is he going to come here? A, a, a coach that went to the Super Bowl has been a head coach at multiple different stops, and he's going to come here and hitch his wagon to a quarterback that may be out of here in a year, and he may be out of another job in a year? Like, and have just- to tailor an offense to him because Frank doesn't run an offense that everyone would want to see Justin play in. I just, it's not realistic. It's, I don't see it as a realistic option because Eberflus is still the head coach. You bring in somebody else who will have, if he decides that he doesn't want to retire, he would, and same thing with Greg Roman too, although we have heard those, um, the Jim Harbaugh, like, you know, him being linked to potentially wherever Harbaugh goes in the NFL. This is, it's just not a situation for job security when they could just be doing this whole thing over in a year and cleaning out the whole staff. Why would you come to a place for one year if you have a one-year prove-it deal, because then we end up messing up the timelines again. Like the, so and this what? is where I, I understand people get frustrated with this. I do. If you look <laughs> at the timeline for the coaches, like they never synced up, never synced up with the quarterbacks. They haven't in more than a decade. John Fox and Mitch Trubisky, Matt Nagy and Mitch Trubisky, and then, of course, this staff with Justin Fields. Right. The easiest way is to clean house. If you want that clock to start over from the very beginning with every position. In theory, the easiest way to do that is, um, you know, new offensive coordinator, new head coach, new quarterback. Are they considering theory is that better than, is, is different it? than reality, though, because there's a lot of politics involved. There's a lot of emotion involved. There's a lot of time involved. Here, these people have spent with each other, and I just don't think it's realistic right now to look at this okay. as a clean sweep from top to bottom. Okay. Uh, before we let you go, any... Um any notable things being said today in that locker room? I thought it was great that Mercedes Lewis said that he wants to play. He, he didn't even entertain retirement when I brought that up. You know, I think it's a natural question at that point. Um, he's going to be 40 years old in May, and he said he's you know, feeling he's rolling. He's feel, he feels great. He feels that he put something on tape this year that shows where he's at right now, and he's not slowing down anytime soon. So that was awesome. Um, the vote of confidence from Montez Sweat to Matt Eberflus, I'm not sure how heavily to look into that. I think he said all of the right things. I think all of the players have said the right things, including DJ Moore once again going to bat for Justin Fields. But the part of it that came out of today, but also yesterday, I keep circling back to the offensive coordinator when they're talking about, do we want to be a team, this is DJ Moore, do we want to be a team that, you know, has an offense that's predicated on explosive or do, explosives, or do we just want to run the clock um, or, you know, control the clock with a run game? And that's a question that they have to as they go through this long evaluation process, which they don't have all week for. It's probably by midweek you're going to find out which way they're going with it. That's the identity element. Like This offense didn't really find its identity until week seven week eight but even then it still had moments where it floundered as you want as you go into the offseason and try to carve out what your identity is you got to figure out those things and reading between the lines from what some of the players have said and even even dj Moore yesterday it just doesn't feel like they had enough of those plays to be able to contend and to be able to do what fields has told us all along you got to score 28 points to be able to be competitive against other teams in the nfl and if if you don't do that then it's not a good offense. And there are moments that these offense look good, but by and large, you know, to finish 27th in passing or whatever it was going in the yesterday, that's not acceptable. That, that's a sign that something needs to change. 
Courtney, great work. Uh, maybe we'll talk again on Wednesday. Wednesday. Yes. Maybe we'll be I mean, there we, as well. We spoke it into existence, so it'll probably end up happening <laughs> Thursday now. So, uh, but at some point, we'll talk this week. I'm yes, sure of yes. Thanks, yes. Courtney. Thanks, guys. See ya. Great work by uh, Courtney Cronin. It is like if you take a step back and you remove the emotion, which you can't because there's human beings involved, right? What would you, I mean, if somebody said to you, and I think that, that from a distance, there are people that exist in the NFL universe that aren't in the city of Chicago and that do remove the emotion from it and say, this is all pretty easy. You flush it all. You, you, it's the first time, you, as Courtney said, you get an opportunity to sync up everything. And again, that's a callous thing to say because there are people involved and there is emotion it's involved. The Ricky, but he's the Ricky Renteria. Like, there was nothing wrong with Ricky Renteria. He got you off of the, re, off of the blowing it up part and on both sides of town. And he got, he got a good clubhouse going, got a good culture going. But he was never the point B to point C guy. Are you going to keep the same head coach and get a new offensive coordinator? Are you going to keep the same quarterback or get a new quarterback? And how's everybody's job security if 2024 doesn't go in the direction that we all hope that it goes? Right. Are we going to find ourselves in a situation? And that is, I think, the dilemma up at Hallis Hall. What are you going to do? What decisions are you going to make? Are you going to make comfortable decisions? Or are you going to make difficult decisions? Do you think there is a dilemma? I don't know because I. Th- there's no, not what, what do you think? You know Hallis Hall. I think that there you is a, there is an inclination to keep uh, my own opinion, and this is without talking to anybody. My my, my thought is, is there is an inclination to keep the head coach, and do as Courtney said, remove the offensive coordinator. And my guess would be, this is just my guess. To move forward with a different quarterback. And again, that is completely tied to the evaluation process and the general manager believing that there is somebody available in April that can take me further than the current quarterback can. My guess is, is if that's how he feels, that's the direction he will go. And the only thing I would say to that is it may work, but it may not. There is not one NFL team currently. That if you would go to any NFL team right now and said, I've got Matt Eberflush for you. He could be your head coach. We don't know who his DC is. We don't know who his OC is. We don't know who his quarterback is. Do you want him? There is not 31 other teams that would say yes to that. They would buy him as their DC. Yes. The Eagles would take him as their defensive coordinator tomorrow. The Packers would probably take him, maybe not after yesterday, but there would be other teams who would take him as their D.C. We're not talking about the Bears D.C., though, but there there isn't one team in the National Football League right now who they would buy. And you would say, look, I got a coach. He doesn't have a D.C. right now. He doesn't have an O.C. right now. He probably doesn't have a quarterback right now. Do you want him as your head coach? There's not one team in the league that would say yes Sign me up for Matt Eberflus. And I would think that Kevin Warren and, and Ryan Poles believe what you just laid out to be fact. So I just, I don't know how, I don't know how if you, you keep Matt and you get rid of the other two, then who are you bringing in, as Courtney said, to be your offensive coordinator to bring along the first pick of the draft? 
Or if you decide to bring back the head coach and the quarterback but change offensive coordinators, who's taking that job with any degree of job security? And that guy's got to come in and bring in an offense that you believe is better f- tailor-made for the quarterback who does do some things that leave you intoxicated right. but doesn't do other things that fit in other NFL offenses. You, you have the chance to build yourself one heck of a football team. You have your chance to build yourself a world-class stadium. Don't skimp on the coach right now. Don't sell yourself short on the coach just because you're stuck in your feels. Your feels. Yeah. Don't. <laughs> I don't do I'm, it. Listen, like, like, I've been saying this for several weeks now. They are entrusted with a lot of decisions, important decisions. You have to make decisions, good decisions, not comfortable decisions, not convenient. And maybe that's the wrong word. But sometimes you got to get out of your comfort zone and do something that makes you a little itchy and scratchy. But it's the right thing to do. If they are totally sold up at Hallis Hall, that Matt is the guy. And they stay with him. You better hope that it works Come out. On, like, the man. same way if you moved on from him and hired somebody new. The decisions all have to be good decisions. Kevin Warren it was with Dick Vermeil, like he said. Ryan Poles spent all these years with Andy Reid. Yes. You don't have that. It doesn't appear that way to me. Allen in Minnesota. You're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Allen? Allen. Hello. Hello. Hello, Alan. You there? Oh, we got you. Yep. You got us. Thanks so for taking our everybody's call. Been, yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> so everybody's being down in the dumps. Everybody's angry and things like that. Understandably so. I was pretty pissed off last night. So I want to bring some realistic positivities to the table. It's okay with you guys. Absolutely. Sure. All right, cool. So realistically, Flus is going to be back, right? Like, I feel like everybody's in agreement with that. I think that it is a strong possibility. I don't think it's 100% okay. certainty, but I would say it's better than 50-50, just speculating. Okay, so the Bears' defense has only played well against bad quarterbacks and Jared Goff in the cold, and he can only win with one game plan. I mean, like, last night I told my wife in the first quarter they were going to lose because things were going to plan. So, first part, why should I feel good about Flus going forward and – Realistically, Justin is gone. Everybody's talked to Link about it all season long. So they're going to repeat the cycle. What do you guys think they're going to do at offensive coordinator, and why should we feel good about the offensive coordinator and quarterback? I Listen, Alan, I don't have a good answer for you. What do I think they're going to do at offensive coordinator if they keep Matt Eberflus? I don't know. I don't know who takes that job. That's. I mean, are you going to take that job as an offensive coordinator when you could possibly, a good one, you could possibly be on a staff with Ben Johnson or Jim Harbaugh or whoever else is going sure, to, sure. to get another job? We, we have talked about that is why it's some shows on this station uh, have mentioned a possible extension as crazy as that sounds like for Eberflus. Where that way you say, look... We're extending him. He's not on any sort of a hot seat. We're committed to him. This is not any sort of a one-and-done next year. We're committing to the new quarterback. We're committing to our coach. Sign up with us to be his OC. Like, you know how I feel what they should do. I'm just telling you how I could see it developing. 
if they do. I don't know why. I don't know why anyone would get a contract extension. Like, For continuity Big, reasons, Biggs is saying that he thinks he's got two more years left on his deal. On his deal, he thinks he signed a four-year deal. Okay, so why do I need to give him any more than what's left on his contract? You you don't, except for just sort of comforting the incoming yes, OC. Yes, yes. Too bad. So sad. I, I mean, I wouldn't be, be able to why get would it. I, why would I extend anybody but, but, here? Because then if you, why are you going to get any OC that's worth his salt if he could get blown out after a year? I don't know. Maybe at that point what I would do is I'd give the OC a guaranteed three-year contract or four-year contract. Why wouldn't I just do that instead of giving the, the head coach an extension? So the OC is going to be on a longer deal than the head coach? Maybe. Is that, is that how you do business? Well, I, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. This is why I'm saying the, the, I don't know. The, what this is why this isn't perfect when you're not starting anew. If you're going to. But why would I give a head coach a, a, a contract I, I, extension? I, I, right. If he's not proven anything. I know. He's got a four-year deal. Right? Two, well, that's what Biggs thought he had. Right, so he's got two, two years, years left. left. I don't know what. You're going to give him a contract extension? That's what people have, we, a lot of people has have speculated that maybe you get throw him an extra year. He has three years left. You sign the OC for a three-year deal. You sign the new DC for a three-year deal. It doesn't mean you Who's can't my be fired next year. I don't know. Like, I, I gave you Reich. Like, that's always been, okay, they but if, work together in Indy. And that would say to me, if Frank Reich came here to be the offensive coordinator, that would tell me that they are going to draft one with the first overall pick. Right, like Frank because Reich. Because he's not coming here to run Greg Groman's offense. Like, Frank Reich I, uh, was a good head coach in Indy. He employed Matt Eberflus, who was his defensive coordinator. Frank Reich got the shaft. In Carolina, by the way, they haven't scored in like eight quarters. Like it got worse after Frank Reich walked out the door. By the way, that's after three weeks ago putting thirty on that Green Bay defense. Just but but anyway, Frank Reich, as the story goes, identified C.J. Stroud as the quarterback that he wanted. But David Tepper, as we know, the strong arm owner, told them we're drafting. Bryce Young after a long talk with Nick Saban, or so the 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 story goes. So. If Frank Reich is a good offensive mind and he's shown that he can identify talent in young quarterbacks because he knew C.J. Stroud, he, he uh, has worked with young quarterbacks before, maybe he can also help you in the draft room if you're going to draft the quarterback. He just went through the process last year. That's the only hypothetical that makes a shred of sense to me. You got two guys who have worked together in the past. He's been a head coach. He's won a Super Bowl as an O.C., that's the only thing, that's the only scenario that someone has brought to me or just brought out that I've heard right. that would make any sense to me. He's not scared of being fired because he's been fired twice in the last two years. He's got all the money in the world. So he, if Why he would gets, he come here to help out his buddy? Why would he no, come I'm here? No, I'm saying, why not? I could come right, out here right. and help my friends. Right, yeah. The only other thing that, that again is if you've got someone like Greg Roman who's not in the business right now and you bring him in to help and try and do with Justin what he did in the past. Well, maybe he that's the Harbaugh route. That could be. And you get the Alex Smith, Colin Kaepernick way of doing things. You get him to do Justin, uh, help with Justin, and maybe you draft a quarterback later. 
like they did in San Francisco. It's all murky. 312-332-3776. Um, that's the phone number. Uh, the good, the bad, the dirty is coming up next. Listen to us now, live on the ESPN Chicago app. Listen to the show in HD at 100.3 HD2 FM. Listen now on ESPN 1000. This is Waddle and Sylvie, ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. The good. It's gone! Oh my God! The bad. That is so bad, that is absolutely brutal. And the dirty. I'm talking about nasty. Uh, wow, so many stories are running through my head right now. Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN Chicago. The bad, the dirty, one thing good, one thing bad, one thing we perceive as dirty. We'll go around the room. Justin Pottinger is here. In Potsy. Pl- yep. Are you calling it? There's only really one Potsy. No, that's true. There's two. I mean, from Happy Days, that's an old reference. And, of course, Mark Potash. What's your nickname, uh, Justin? Uh, you know what he is for me? He's the Leaf people. <laughs> it's it's Potts. Potsy is my brother. And then my buddies call me Potts. But I'm yeah. calling you the Leaf people. Potsy from Happy Days. How about Pothead? Oh. I mean, hasn't that been already? I think, I think that's with, uh, a little too damning. Well, I, I mean, but that's what, uh, what's his name called him? Shay. Yes, he did. Did you see Shay, too, punting Eberflus into the sun last night? He, he tweeted that out. After all that I was arguing with him, like after that Lions, like he's sticking up for Eberflus after the Lions choke job. And then yesterday, at the end of the season, he's punting Eberflus into the I sun. I will tell you this. Shea will occasionally change his perspective, but he brings the same level of intensity right. oh, yeah. with whatever the opinion is. is Shea, no, Shea is the new flip-flopper, uh, but he always brings the intensity. Yes, <laughs> he the intensity. talks more than Cap these days. Yes. But right, does you, it with enthusiasm. Oh, yeah, always. Am um, I good with C, the performance of C.J. Stroud? 20 of 26 for 264 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions on Saturday night. It was a must-win game for them. Uh, as a rookie quarterback in this league, he helped propel his team to the AFC South title uh, with a win over the Colts. My good with C.J. Stroud. I could have said the kid that plays up in Green Bay, but I didn't want to go there. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Thank you for doing that. Um my good is DJ Moore and everything that he provided on the season. I, I like, second. Like, we knew that when they got DJ Moore, that he was going to add um, an established wide receiver to the huddle. We knew when we walked into Hallis Hall and we watched him practice that there was going to be chemistry between him and Justin Fields. I think, I don't know if everyone really knew how great he was truly going to be this year. So for the season that DJ Moore uh, gave to the Bears, he was good. And I want to also give a, a, a secondary good to my guy, Marcus Damask, who was named Big Ten Player of the Week for the Fighting Illini. Damask, of course, played his first four years at Southern. And I watched him and Lance Jones battle each other. Nice. Lance, who also played for the Salukis, now he's in his COVID year for Purdue. They faced off against each other on Friday. So it's good to see some of my guys who were giving their all for the Salukis now doing well in the Big Ten. What do you got? My good, uh, I'm going to also add, how about that frozen rope that C.J. Stroud delivered oh, Waddle on that first play of the game? Yeah, their first play from and scrimmage. By the way, he Just took stupid. a huge hit. He did. As soon as he delivered it. Yeah, he's uh, he's pretty damn good. My good, how about 
um, what we've seen unfold in the NFC playoff matchups. A couple of good ones that are very juicy because of the way the matchups unfolded. You've got Matthew Stafford heading back to Detroit as the Rams will take on the Lions. That's a pretty good one, I would say. And then, of course, you've got Mike McCarthy trying to avenge his firing as the Packers will go to Dallas to play the Cowboys in the first uh, play out the wild card weekend. So uh, pretty sweet matchups in the NFC, although I could probably take or leave the Eagles Bucks one that's on Monday Night Football. But nevertheless, those other two games are pretty juicy. Yeah, it, it is very good for the first week of the playoffs. It is. Can't wait. What do you got, uh, Pat? Can't wait. All right. On Friday, I told myself this year I was going to start watching the Bulls. Like, right when the, right when the new year started, I am locking in on Chicago Bulls basketball. I've been dreading it all season. But, hey, I'm 1-0. This year, they took down the Hornets. Kobe White continues to be great. Dropped 22 that night. So, Bulls are back. 1-0 the Bulls on, are back. on the year as a fan. Is, uh, wait, what's Zach's uh, situation for tonight? He was uh, downgraded, been downgraded to questionable. Do we, do we know if he's playing? I don't know. Well, it's national sure. championship anyway. Tonight. Yeah, I'm be watching yeah. uh, Michigan. Uh, my bad was it has well yesterday and for the last six weeks has been the Eagles. They lost 27-10 to the Giants. They were down 24-zip at the half. They are doing anything well right now. You're they, not. You're not. Like pro, I said, they've lost five of six. You're not pro firing Nick Sirianni. I am though. not. But I am also not a fan of what they're doing in any aspect of playing football right now. That defense is awful. They don't have any answers on offense. They head into the postseason a miserable one in five in the last six weeks. Hembo today was saying they should fire Nick Sirianni. I heard his explanation. It's. I'm firing him not for what he has done because he took the team to the Super Bowl last year, but what he is doing now. That's a team that is drifting at sea at the moment. They are. They are right. That's for sure. Uh, just when you thought it was like as bad as it can get, it got worse. Um, this is my bad. I mean, and there was a lot of this from yesterday. Oh, they're going to get right on the right side for a hold, but this should have been a touchdown or an interception. Tony Romo is just, it, he, he is, what are we doing? he's terrible. What are we doing here? Is he the most overpaid person in sports? Out of any athlete, out of any commentator, is Tony Romo the most overpaid person in sports? Russell Wilson? I don't know. Russell Wilson Russ still didn't for, have a horrible season. Right, like numbers wise, I know he got demoted, but like he didn't put up a terrible year. Tony Romo's terrible. <laughs> like, and, You're right. I, and I always give Black credit because how about uh, uh, how about Deshaun Watson? Yeah, I mean that's per, that's a good I think one. Russ is over, more overpaid than Deshaun. You though. do? I oh, mean, Deshaun, Deshaun, Deshaun started playing until the injuries. He was he was playing okay this year. Not like Joe Flacco. I mean that team's cooking now. But anyway, Tony Romo was miserable yesterday. I mean there were so many missteps. He's just terrible. Um, even Yurko, who loves him because he simply went to Eastern Illinois, was making fun of him all day as I was watching the game with you. I just don't think he does a, a, a really any homework. homework. I don't yeah. think he works at it. Listen, if you're going to you know, stump for an offensive coordinator, you might want to know how to pronounce his name. Getsky. Yeah. Twice. Brutal. Absolutely and brutal. And he goes, Jim, it's Getsy. 
<laughs> after Jim had already thanks, Jim. Jim had slyly said his name correctly, so that maybe Tony would get the hint, and then yeah, Tony said, "Hey, his name's Getsy, by the way." Um, you know what? For two weeks in a row, I am making Dan Campbell my bat, and here's the reason. Listen, they had a about a five percent chance of claiming the second seed had they won. They also needed both the Cowboys and Eagles to lose. And the Cowboys were playing the Commanders, who really were incentivized to lose because they wanted, in all likelihood, a higher draft pick. Dan Campbell's decision to go out and play all his starters yesterday ends up costing him probably Sam Laporta, at least for the first, maybe second round of the playoffs with a knee injury. And he is a vital piece to their offense. I think it was a a poor choice to go after a hollow win and you lose a very vital piece to your offense heading into the playoffs. He's terrific. Bad it was a small percentage play that they were ever going to get the two seed. What do you got, Justin? All right. My bad is the no call on Justin Fields yesterday. That was one of the few plays that got me out of my chair. And I think the worst part was seeing no reaction out of Eberflus. I felt like that would have been a perfect time for him to throw his headset, get up in the ref's <laughs> face. You know, we, he's seen it all year. There Again, Justin doesn't get a call. God, that, that was a bad, bad call there. What do you what do you do you want uh, Eberflus to get in the rough face, Waddle? Is that, is that something you should do? I, I, I just don't, want a little emotion. I, like a I just want bit. the referees to throw the flag. Why do we have to get into Protect a referee's face for them to do their job? If they don't throw the flag, should he get in their face? Yeah, I mean, he okay. should definitely make a demonstrative plea for, hey, how about some some fairness here? You turds. What's your uh, what's your dirty? Did you see the Saints at the end of the game? I, Arthur Smith got a little uh, twisted at the end and started cussing I'm out. I'm glad you brought this up. Um, but I, I thought that the move that Jameis Winston pulled in a kneel down is dirty because, like, when you go to just kind of kill the clock and take a knee, the de- the defense, you don't know. I mean, most of those guys are, are probably not prepared for them to turn around and hand the ball off for a touchdown. Somebody could have gotten hurt. Dude, I'm so with you. Can I jump in, Sylvie, because I had the yeah, same sure. one. And uh, I also brought Jameis Winston explaining that he's the reason why they went that route. He made a quote-unquote team decision. Yeah. The play was, was victory, yeah. uh, but I also explained to DA that it was a team decision. Yeah. And uh, and I think when you have the, a team morale, and I asked the guys, I said, guys, like, what do you, what do you want to do? Yeah. We know how much Jamal means to this team, and, and I understood from DA's perspective. So I, I, I give him that. Yeah. Yeah, but DA didn't condone that at all. Yeah. You know, he, he didn't. However, uh, we decided as a team to do it, and Man, we got an interception to the one-yard line. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. so if if, if if we would have scored, would it still would have been disrespectful? I think it should be forgotten, especially when the score is already 41-17. Uh, so I, I don't know how, how much worse it can get. Uh, but I got a ton of respect for Arthur Smith and the coach that he is. Uh, I think they do some incredible things. I didn't mean to – I didn't want to disrespect him. That was not my intention. Uh, my intention was to lead the team that I've been with the entire year. And we made a collective decision that we wanted to get one of our – guys who they fight with blood, sweat, and tears every game in the end zone. And uh, I'm going to feel good about that. What a knucklehead. He's so funny. My intention was to eat a W. And it was also to rip my own coach who told me not to run a play. And by the way, again, when you go for like the the victory formation and you run a, a play, you could... You seriously could injure one of the other guys on the other field or on the uh, other team. Oh boy, that's a that's a rough ending for Arthur Smith to, to 
have to deal with that and then being told you're fired. I just That's thought, the last play he's ever going to be the head coach for. Now, listen, if in fact they had lined or up one and, ran, and they would have run a normal play, then I would have told Arthur Smith it's football. Just, you know what, buck up and try to stop them. But when you go up there, they were basically yes, in a victory formation. formation. Taysom Hill was 10 yards yes. behind. They were pulling the old That's switcheroo. Cool. It was dirty. Get hurt, man. How about a little professional courtesy here? Arthur Smith is tough to like, though. Is he not? He's a tough man to like. That's why it's dirty. Jameis Winston has put us all in the position where we have to def- <laughs> we have to defend Arthur Smith. Yeah, he'll uh, be fine. His father uh, founded FedEx. No, no, I'm, I'm surprised no one mentioned Connor Bedard and his broken jaw. Like that sucks. That does suck. That sucks. And then Felino had to uh, yeah. protect him, and then he got, got into the fight, and he broke his he broke his finger. Yeah, and he's uh, he got hurt because of that. It, you keep talking like that, and Pat Boyle's going to have to look over his shoulder and, and be concerned that you're going to come take his job, Mister Hockey. Four to six weeks, right? On the yes. injured, in, injured reserve for broken for jaw. And like, is that the injury too that you've always have you feared that injury? So that like I had the, to have my my yeah. jaw wired shut. That's the worst. Yeah, and where you got to so, eat out of a straw. Yeah, you would have to drink through a straw. Yes, eat out of a straw. Basically, because yeah. you can't really eat. Yeah, no. I would be freaked out by that because I, you know I'm claustrophobic about certain things and not being able to... Un, I guess you can. Like, there's an emergency release that if you need to... Let's say you're puking or something oh. happens and your jaw's wired shut. I do believe that... There's an emergency well, unwiring mechanism? I, I, I think so, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not 100% sure, but it, yes. Has can you imagine to... puking oh. and not being able to... To let it all out, you choke to death. My college quarterback got got hit down at uh, my buddy Mark Camphouse got hit. Campy, at, that's right. His nickname was Campy. I uh, got hit at TCU, and basically, I was down the field. The lineman sounded said it sounded like when the guy hit him, like eggs cracking, because it was his jaw. It was his jaw, oh. and he had to have his jaw wired shut for a while. All right, did we did we finish or Justin? Did you give your dirty? I got, I got dirty for you guys. Yeah, uh, it's Jordan Love. I mean, guys, he looks so good, and I, he's going to be doing Chicago dirty for the next five to ten years, probably. Every first down, it was a tight spiral. He knows what he's doing. It took me eighteen weeks to say it, but God, he's good. Sylvie still won't admit it. I'm no, I'm not. I'm not giving in. I'm going to be I right about just that. Be, he's going to be, he's be a boss. I, I gave in. You just don't want the smoke. He's, he's going to be a boss. You just don't want the smoke. They're, they're going to find out how the other half, half lives one of these days. You wait. You may be long gone at that point, but. You wait, mister. 312-332-3776. can we bring back some of his taunting of Packer fans from early? Uh, you wait. Before it's, the it's season started. Happen. It's going to come true. Yeah. It's just yeah. this is the long game. I'm going to win in the long game. It's Waddle and Sylvie.